I had forgotten that we had a game last Saturday because the only topic of conversation in the Owls AmeriCast, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with American Accent, WhatsApp group, was a McSweeney's article about what your favorite sad dad band says about you. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro. I am a Mountain Goats fan. Uh, I do not drive Toyotas like that blurb suggested. I drive Hondas. Everything else was pretty much accurate. And in a rare appearance on the podcast, uh, I'm not drinking alcohol. I am in book crunch this week. Um, I am wired on caffeine, as you might already be well aware of if you're listening to the show at this point in time. And I am drinking a lovely little uh, iced coffee that I made in my Chemex pour over. It is from uh, Oakland, California. It's a bittersweet roast with notes of dark chocolate and creme brulee. It's a seasonal blend of Latin American coffees. It's quite lovely. Uh, it's full of caffeine, which I need at this point in time. I went to bed at 3.30 last night and uh, 4 a.m. the night before that. But after that long rambling intro, I will go to the national fan among us who didn't move to Brick- Brooklyn when he had the chance. He's in New Jersey. It's Patty Jones. Patty, what are you drinking? Yeah, that article was uh, sadly quite close to my life. Um, uh, I am, I'm holding up the game, the cocktail game for you, Jay, Jeffrey, in your honor. Um, hmm. I have a Martinez um, ah, yes. gin, uh, vermouth, a little bit of maraschino, and a little bit of bitters. And it's uh, very nice. I made it for my uh, sister-in-law yesterday, and uh, I'm having it myself for today. So the Martinez tends to be a little... It doesn't have that sort of uh, undertone. Gin's, you know, more of a neutral spirit. It tends to be a little sweet for me. Like, despite drinking a lot of Manhattans and a lot of other cocktails with sweet vermouth in them, it's not my favorite flavor profile. But I'll, I like a martini once in a while. Once in a while. Over in New England, it's Justin Disorger. Justin, what are you drinking, and what is your favorite sad dad band? Hey Jeff, uh, no, in that article, totally went over my head because I don't like sad dad bands. So. Mm. Uh, not nothing in there fit my profile. Uh, uh, I'm actually drinking. I've, I've had this before. Uh, the local Falmouth Brewery, Aquatic Brewery, has their uh, collaboration with this wonderful uh, Woods Hole Coffee Shop, um, Coffee Obsession. They've, or I'm sorry, Pie in the Sky Coffee Obsession is the other really cool spot down there. Uh, it's a Pie in the Sky uh, coffee stout. Um, so I'm sort of combining. Uh, Jeff's need for uh, caffeine and Patty's need for alcohol, all in one. I was disappointed that Patty wasn't drinking something. And when he when he held up the martini glass, I figured he was drinking a Manhattan. I could have made the other joke in the national verb, which was that uh, eventually you have to admit your artisanal whiskey habit. What was it? it was just uh, just alcoholism, <laughs> just alcoholism <laughs> with a with a larger word count. Yeah, <laughs> which uh, I mean applies to all three of us at times. I think. <laughs> Uh, we do have four this week and making his return to the podcast in New Orleans. It's Chris Laris. Chris, what are you drinking? Nothing, nothing remotely exciting or in a martini glass, but it's Lipton black iced tea. Uh, I'm a big fan. I actually, I'm, I'm running to play a men's league soccer game after this. Um, and so I couldn't, couldn't get too crazy on the podcast, but um, I've come. What time do my... your men's league soccer games <laughs> down there? They, they are. At seven, eight, nine, and ten o'clock, and tonight is a ten o'clock game. Wow! Um, so Bedtime. yeah, I love it. I, yeah. I honestly, I love it. It's time for the soft dots, the hubris <laughs> of the young. Yeah, absolutely. But I've become a, a massive tea drinker. Um, 
Chris, keep year. drinking Lipton, please, at least for another year or so. They're, they're part of my company, so uh, more you drink, <laughs> the more bonus I get. Hey, um, but unfortunately, that. we are selling them off soon, so you can drink what you want after that. <laughs> Sounds good. You got it. Speaking of selling off, we will uh, selling off players, perhaps. We'll have a transfer news section in the Wednesday news. But first, we will, of course, review the Plymouth game. And back on track, a frankly quite exciting 4-2 win for Wednesday uh, for the neutral and for the Wednesday fan as well. So we will do our usual thumbs up, thumbs down format. Patty, your thumbs up is the spine. The spine of a promotion challenging <laughs> football team. That's what I'm, mm. the longer version of what I put there. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously everyone's going to talk about Luongo. Uh, I'll try and uh, give you guys some uh, some words left to uh, fuse over him. Uh, he had a great game, but I wanted to call out as well that it's that, that spine. So it's uh, Hutchinson back in the middle. Uh, being that calm, collective uh, dirtbag that we like. Uh, BPF, obviously, solid as usual. A uh, couple of little things. Uh, niggle, maybe, uh, on his goals. But, I mean, uh, Davis scored for us. Who really cares? And then you've got um, Gregory up front. Uh, I think that is our... If we can keep those, those four fit for the entire season and hang players off of them, we're in good shape. Uh, this, was a, this was a massive, massive uh, win. We needed a performance after those two odd games over Christmas, right? We, we said, was it down to the lack of training and the COVID uh, predicament, or was it just a general malaise and something to be concerned about? They answered those questions. It, it was something that just, hopefully, they can build on this now and uh, we can move on. I think it was a great team performance, obviously, and Luongo stood out. It's my, my complaint about the Sunderland and Shrewsbury games. I mean, I had many. But it's, it, it, didn't, it seems like a lack of just energy and flow. And the one thing that Luongo does is he, like, I feel like he drives the team forward. Like, he raises the effort and the energy level of everyone around him. I mean, the professional footballers, you'd hope they could bring it. But I think he just is able to specifically, they know when Luongo's there, that he'll be able to break up the play and distribute quickly. So you have to be on your toes. You have to be ready to move without the ball because it, he's going to get it and it's going to come to you. And I think knowing that does make a huge difference. The first 10 minutes of this game were kind of, you know, a typical, particularly uninspired League One football match. And then there was Wednesday's first chance came when Luongo tracked back, one with a sliding tackle, the ball is they were sort of uh, Plymouth were sort of countering in the Wednesday half popped up, won the ball, immediately got it to the wing and they got like a, like a half chance at the, at the near post or at the far post, the other end. And all of a sudden it's like, okay. And then from there, Wednesday started to, you know, improve, you know, he was a big factor in the, in the first two goals as well. And yeah, um, you did say it was a spine of a promotion winning team. And I agree with that. The problem is the spine is very often broken, Patty. <laughs> That's the thing that struck me is, you know, Luongo's played in the Premier League before. He looks like he's just a different class at this level. And of course, if he could stay healthy, he would not be at this level. Hopefully he can stay healthy. Because eh? uh, like I said, that was a man of the match performance. Uh, he brought the rest of the team together. He, I mean, Bannon, I thought, had a terrible first half. He had a good second half, I thought. But um, he gave a lot of balls away in that first half. He was a bit scrappy. The rest of the team were really good. But I think if Bannon's having a bad game and there's no longer, then we all feel it. 
Uh, whereas if Long goes on the pitch as well, he kind of covers for that and can still push the ball forward and still spread it around like a banner. He does as many Hollywood balls uh, in this game, uh, Longo, than Bannon does. He has some great diagonal balls over to Hunt uh, on the right-hand side. Um, so, yeah, um, they don't need to rely on Bannon so much. But the whole team was really one of the things I thought about doing for a thumbs up was our uh, long ball distribution was excellent. And part of that was Gregory's ability to hold up. But uh, Peacock Farrell uh, was excellent uh, putting the ball. I mean, he wasn't quite, uh, you know, Ederson. But he, he was just a step below. He, he was outstanding with his long ball distribution. And, uh, you know, Luongo, Palmer, uh, obviously, was excellent. Um, you know, I, we, we've been talking on here for, you know, a couple months about Luongo's importance and how much he's the key to that. And I, I think I tweeted out right before the game when I saw the lineup, you know, I, and I believe it and it works. I, I think Massimo Luongo is the key to everything that, we want to do as a team when he's in the lineup, when he's fit, when he's healthy, uh, we're, we're a completely different side. And, and it really showed on Saturday. Yeah. It gives uh, Bannon more freedom to do the things that Bannon likes to do. It gives our, you know, our wingbacks more freedom to push up higher, knowing that Luongo is there to sort of shield the back three. It's oh, I had it in my notes uh, here. This is in the 16th minute, how much we were getting players forward. And I noted we had, Palmer attacking, Johnson attacking, Hunt attacking, and Mendez Lang. All of them throwing up. We constantly had four to five players pushing up the field. And I think you're right, Jeff. I think it's because of the safety that Luongo, the safety and security and consistency that Luongo provides in front of the back line that Bannon doesn't or uh, Wing doesn't or any of those other guys. Also because Plymouth were awful playing out of the back. (laughs) Well, part, great, but part of that is the pressure, you know? Yeah. What's great as well is that, um, the, those four players mentioned there, the, the back, really, Hunt, Johnson, Palmer, uh, can all play great crosses into the into the box. I mean, Palmer's got better at crossing over the last two years. We don't, we've seen that anyway. But, like, Marvin Johnson's distribution is fantastic. Oh, Mendes Lang is the one you mentioned, too. Good cross to the ball, yeah. but, I mean, he likes to take people on, too. So he's got a bit of both. Um so yeah, it was it's it's the overlapping centre halves again have come back, and uh, that's the good thing about having Palmer and Johnson new centre halves. The bad thing, obviously, is that they can't still head the ball. So uh, <laughs> thankfully, Plymouth didn't seem to be bothered about exploiting that weakness. Mm. That and I wonder too how much of it is a is a subconscious awareness that Hutch is back there too. You know, not just that mm. um, that Massimo Luongo can drop in, but that like. I don't know if I was Marvin Johnson or Liam Palmer, I'd feel a lot more comfortable going forward. If I knew with minimal backs that <laughs> Hutchinson was one of them and not, you know, a makeshift forward playing as a center back. Um, <laughs> so I, I wonder how much he didn't have like a standout role in the same way that like Luongo had. Um, but I wonder if even his just presence changed the way they thought and played the game a little bit. Also, you know, if you get beaten, uh, Hutchinson will just absolutely pull X someone to stop the play. Yeah. <laughs> He pretty much stayed on his feet. Like he was uh, at center back. He does play a little more conservatively, I think, than he used to as a as a number six. But yeah, just, just a... checking. That's a great call, though. But look, look at it. This uh, Hutchinson had eighty nine percent pass completion on the game too, which I'm sure a lot of those were just those short passes. Short sideways and backwards. I mean, even as a Palmer, even as a but... holding midfielder, he's always been very good at distributing the ball. You know, it gives him a he's you know really kind of a complete modern center back. Um, Again, except for the ability to head the ball, but and stay fit. No, well, it head the ball in the defensive end. 
Sure. Yes. Yes. The you had a very nice striker's sure, header. Uh, I thought it was Gregory yeah. when it went in. So did I. So yeah. did I. Um, yeah. No, Chris, that's a great call because I, I think we saw a, against Sunderland when the central, uh, the central center back was Dunkley. Uh, players couldn't step forward because Dunkley lacks the speed to to cover uh, when the other team counters. Whereas I think. You're probably right. It, it, with Hutch back there, they're a little less concerned about pushing up mm. and, and leaving him to cover. It is funny that the center back with uh, that had to retire in his early 20s because of chronic knee problems is our pacier option. Two broken legs. Two broken legs. This is retired already. Justin, your thumbs up. We will stick on the back line with Owls America's own Liam Palmer. Yeah, I, I loved it. I mean, you know, Luongo was Luongo was man of the match. Uh, Mendez Lang was outstanding. Um, you know, I thought, like I said, overall, I thought that the long ball distribution was a huge key to this. Gregory's play, all that. But, you know, my notes uh, really highlighted. I, I thought this was Liam Palmer on full display. This was the full range of Liam Palmer's abilities as a footballer. Um, really, you know, at his peak, he was getting the ball and running forward. He was making those forward runs to create space, drag players out of position um, and create that. His long balls were excellent. That ball to Windass was unfucking believable It's like he a perfect over the shoulder, over touch. the back shoulder deep yeah. bomb in, in American football. Just perfectly just drops it right perfect. in his... Perfect. And, yeah. and yes, Windass had to make an outstanding yeah. first touch to trap it. And then, of course, the turn and, and shot was, was great. But... Palmer put that on his, as you say, on his back shoulder at 50 yards, right? Um, and, and his defense was solid. He had a couple uh, late tackles that he he made, you know, the the last man who made the play, uh, knocked one out for a corner, knocked one, another one out for a, uh, a kick. It's just really nice to see uh, Liam have a good game. I, he, we, we've talked, you know, since I've been on the pod, um, you know, the last couple of years, but he, he's really just matured into, you know, such a, such a solid player for us. He does so many things well. Um, and he often flies under the radar. Uh, his inability to finish is comical. As we know, he had that just brutal miss in like the 60th minute or 61st minute that pretty sure Patty could have slotted at home. But, you know, aside from that, it's just, <laughs> it's, I always enjoy, I always enjoy seeing Liam Palmer, be successful. He's, he is one of us and uh, he's turned himself into an excellent footballer. Well, you did say it was the full range of, of Liam Palmer and it's true. not knowing what to do in the box <laughs> one-on-one with the keeper fits <laughs> certainly part of the package. It's true. It's true. Chris, your thumbs up is what our players are capable of. I think mine is just an echo of what my two friends before me have said. Um, just seeing when healthy with the likes of Hutchinson, Luongo, Bannon, I love Delhi Bashru, Gregory, and then Windass coming in and making an impact like immediately. Um, it's like makes me super optimistic about the way we can play. And I think the fact that um, I agree, Patty, I think I remember getting on social media after and people were like, oh, Bannon played great. I thought Bannon played terrible the first half. I thought he gave the ball away. I don't think he was on. And the fact that that didn't cause uh, problems for us, I think is like really encouraging. Um, I remember, and I think this is not only how we played, but how we, I felt followed through the whole game was really 
uh, exciting because I remember when I came on in the fall and we talked about the podcast and we talked about the team, I felt that there was something in the culture of the team that we didn't have a ton of confidence in ourselves where we went up. If we got down a goal, even if we didn't go down, you know, if, even if they didn't get one back, we started to go all defensive, be super worried about holding it through. I felt like our tempo didn't change at all throughout the whole one. Like we got, we, we lost maybe a goal. I didn't think their goals were too much of, uh, you know, breakdowns in our back as much as they just kind of goals that happened. And we came right back and kept the tempo high. And, um, to me, the fact that we didn't just play well, that shows that, that it's not that we just played well, but that our, te- our tempo and culture seems to be a little different now, I think is all a positive sign. So, um, it shows what we're capable of. That doesn't talk about what my down is, which is like, is that consistent or not? But yeah. at least on this one day, it was. And I think that's why a lot of us um, are frustrated, right? It's like we, we, we've seen glimpses of how we can play. Yeah. Uh, not just this season. I the last season it was frustrating because we saw glimpses of how we can play and just keeping that consistency is, is key. And we haven't been disciplined enough to do that. And that's one of the, you can, you can almost telegraph, uh, I think I said before the Sunderland game when we got spanked, you could telegraph it because we've had mm. very, little, very little training. We haven't played much. You're going to the northeast of England, which no one wants to go to. You could have telegraphed that our squad is not disciplined enough to hold that and to, be, to perform well. And we got spanked 5-0. It was yeah. so obvious. Um, but what's encouraging to see is that after two weeks of training with no games to play, that they are playing to their potential. If they come mm. back and play like they did against Shrewsbury or Sunderland, then yes, panic stations, red flags everywhere will be fucked. Yeah. The fact that they are showing to us that they can play, uh, again, my my down, my thumbs down was the optimism and the hope that it gave you because it's like, yeah. like how dare <laughs> you get back on this train? <laughs> Don't get back on this train, for God's sake. I, I mean, yeah. we're, all, we're all ready to throw you in the bin again after like last, uh, last game's performance, but... Uh, yeah, the, 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 the they just keep bringing you back in, don't they? With these these good performances, yeah. and we we're still three points away from the playoffs. So, yeah, who knows? Yeah, well, and that's a similar my one of my thumbs downs was I think very similar in that um, I'm scared to get too excited because could this potentially not be like Plymouth's version of a Sunderland? Like they're a top team. So like, did they just have a day that wasn't their day? Um, I think totally. I think definitely they did have a bad day, but I also yeah. think we played well too. I think you can't, I do too. it can be both. Um, but we've seen Plymouth play obviously a lot better than that. <laughs> Absolutely. <times> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I'm glad we've got Plymouth out of the way now. If we draw them in any of the like fucking weird fucking, I don't know, cups. So we got County Cups, cups just in <laughs> The Yorkshire County Cup, yeah. <laughs> Chris, I love your I love your point too because I, I was so excited we scored first because I was starting to feel like, as Jeff noted, the sloppy start, and then we really started to increase the pressure. We were getting balls forward. We were starting to hold them. We've seen this time and time again this year, especially, but you know, over the past X amount of years, where we are controlling a game, we're playing well, we're getting our chances. There's one counterattack the other way. We fuck something up. And then our mentality is so weak that we collapse. And getting that first goal to me showed, I said, okay, good. Now we've, we've got that in the bank. We may still give up a tying goal, but you know, we're ahead of the game now. And then Chris, you're you're absolutely right. Cause we, we, we haven't discussed it, but man, who had time to blink after 
they made it three to two and we suddenly turned around and made it four to two. Right. That was what a response that was. And, and I mean, the responses to both goals were great. I and mean, they obviously didn't immediately get the third, but I thought they, you know, after the free kick to start the second half, I thought they played, I mean, they continued to dominate possession. They continued to play their game. They didn't go into the Tony Pulis minute 55 shell or anything like that. <laughs> they, minute uh, five shell under <laughs> Uncle Tony. Yeah, and they got, you know, they got their, got that third goal. So, boy, that was uh, a nice free kick, though, huh? Uh, not to, oh, yeah, we yeah. played out of nowhere. What a crazy <laughs> shot that was. The first yeah. shot they I mean, had. You, would, if, if you still got the typical Wednesday. They had like three actual scoring chances and scored on two of them. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the yeah. one thing. Yeah, was, uh, well, I mean, my, I, what, were the, what were the total shots? I'm, I'm like 22 to three. Yeah, were the see. total shots. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, my thumbs up are, I wanted to signal out both uh, Silas So and Mendez Lang. Uh, I know I gave Mendez Lang the business a little bit last week. Uh, I thought he was still a little inconsistent uh, in sort of his wing play, especially he goes a little too, he, he likes to step over maybe a little bit too much, but I thought it just his, he really just terrorized the right side of the, the Plymouth defense. Um, and he does have a nice cross on him. He's a, a bigger, more physical winger than some of our other options too. Um, and I tell so, you, know, we had a couple of nice sort of little curled right foot finishes, obviously one for the goal and one that got, uh, one that got parried away by the keeper as well. And so like you watch Silaso play and you're like, why isn't he in the squad every week? Cause well, he offers something completely different up front. And I was thinking about it. There's, there's a few issues here where, neither Mendez Lang or so have really been able to get the kind of consistent playing time to, I think, get into a rhythm and get into the, the, the flow of the, of the squad of the match day tactics, as much as we have a match day squad or tactics from week to week. So it's just tough for any of, because we have so many wingers, it's tough for any of them to get consistent playing time. And so specifically, like, I understand why, Darren Moore has sort of defaulted to Gregory and Patterson because Patterson doesn't need the kind of service that so does Patterson will drop back. He'll, he'll, he'll play, play the hold up game. He'll be a little bit of a, you know, marauding like a box to box forward. If there's such a thing where so, although he's, you know, certainly capable, he's certainly pacey and capable of playing you know, back to goal or driving into the box. Like he, he needs the ball pass to him like he needs to be put into space or um you know given service basically um and we have certainly been inconsistent doing that over the last few seasons for those kind of strikers um so i am kind of curious to see who plays against oxford frankly you know obviously windass looked great too uh when he came on so it does give them a lot of sort of flexibility up front and on the wing and I still don't know if, if Moore has figured out the uh, exact way he wants to play or who the 11 players he's going to lean on week to week. And I think that's part of the reason, like, this squad has been so inconsistent. And you don't know if this is just a, you know, them putting a marker down performance-wise for the future. It was just a, the right game, the right squad, the right performance. And they'll go to Oxford and have a boring 1-1 draw with... I don't know. Marvin Johnson at left wing back and Brennan back in the squad and Lewis wing back in mid. Like, I don't know. I don't know who the 11 is going to play. 
I don't know if the performance is going to be as good. And it's frustrating because if they play like this, they'll be in the playoffs at least for the balance. Of this I think game. so. I mean, you, they, you can, if we know who's going to play if they're healthy. We, we know that like, there's like seven or eight guys that I think we know they want in the squad. If everybody's healthy or as healthy as they're going to be. And then it is a matter of, you know, do you have, uh, you know, and now we don't have Corbino, but, you know, do you have Corbino or Mendez lying out on the left side or, or do you go with uh, like, well, you made a, a great point about. So uh, Gregory really was the holdup man this game, which shows to his versatility that he can play back to goal when normally we see him when Patterson's in there, Gregory's the one making runs, uh, stretch people out, letting Patterson be back to goal. Uh, or if Cam Barry's in there, he's, he's doing that role. Um, so it is nice to have options, but you're, you're right, Jeff. We gotta, we gotta get, you know, something settled, or at least, you know, I, I really want to see a nice eight, eight players or so settled and you can kind of fill in on the fringes, depending on who's feeling good, who's been good in training, the matchup for that week, things of that nature. Well, we're, it, we're still like what a couple games off a 12 match on beaten run, but they've never felt like that. Even that never felt like they were particularly, they, they had maybe one or two performances in them that were as good as the performance against Plymouth. So yeah, I want to see more of that. We'll move now into the thumbs down now and back to Patty <laughs> seems an appropriate uh, transition. Just hope. <laughs> we actually did that while you were on your little um, break, uh, Jeff. Oh, um, so yeah, it's the bit hope that kills you. Um, was my thumbs down. Okay, anything uh, my thumbs down to go through? Yeah, I was going to say, I'll say mine was is really just an excuse to talk about how awesome uh, Massimo Luongo is, which I'll do real <laughs> briefly. Uh, and, and we are too dependent on him. That's the downside. When he comes in, we're, we're a different team. Uh, Massimo Luongo led everybody on the pitch with five aerials, one, seven tackles, and four interceptions, in addition to uh, a nearly 80% passing success rate. Uh, Massimo Luongo was the best player on the pitch. He's probably our best player and our most important player when healthy. Uh, and we depend too much upon him. Which and have not been able to keep him healthy. <laughs> or stay at Essex. just scything somebody down out of you nowhere because he's frustrated he lost the ball. Yeah, and I know Luongo obviously gave away the foul at the edge of the area to lead to the first goal and got his back from after being sent off with a straight red card and missed three games. And... You know, he's going to, when you play aggressively like that, yeah, sometimes you get that great tackle. Sometimes you give away a bad foul. Uh, and I don't think you want to have him playing too much more cautiously than he does, because I think that's part of what makes him such a great uh, defensive midfielder. Yeah, uh, that was a, I thought that was a reputation yellow card he picked up too. I thought that was a little soft. Yeah. I uh, uh, Chris, your thumbs down is uh, lack of depth. And it, it just kind of echoes what Patty and Justin were saying. Um, I didn't see too many thumbs down personally from that game. I was really impressed with how we played in that game. Um, but to me, I just feel like like when Luongo's not there, when Hutch isn't there, um, I mean, Gregory's usually, I feel like, pretty solid. But um, for the long run, if you're trying to make a playoff push to not have a goal coming from both Gregory and Windass, I'm worried about us. Um, I, I don't know, and I don't want to harp too hard on, on one player, but, um, I don't, I haven't seen very much of Lewis wing that I found to be impressive at all. And so when you switch out Lewis wing with Luongo, in my opinion, it's like taking one of the weakest players that's been playing for us in terms of just 
his form to one of the best. And so what I wonder about is, and this is just something I'm not sure I love about Darren Moore is it seems like he's going to play his formation, like no matter what that like three back two wings, this more defensive mid. And it's like, I feel like if it's not uh, Massimo Luongo, it's Lewis wing. Um, and like, I wonder if there's a better way to utilize our personnel um, if injuries come back up again um that does not I don't know I don't know if when those players aren't in we have a style that we can play that favors us more because I just worry if we don't have that same consistent group of players that will be in uh at least not in promotion push shape um so I I don't know it's less of a question of how we did and more of what happens if that same personnel isn't there we've been we've been discussing that on here we've seen it joe cran had a good interview with darren moore where he kind of asked him about that and about the tactics and the switch and you know i I think chris it's it's a great point that's kind of everybody's you know everybody's thought on this he's he's so rigid um with with you know his lineup and and the way he does things and and is that really the best way to benefit what we have but uh, from talking not even his preferred lineup from what he said in the past (laughs) He said, that, he said that to Joe Cran this week or a couple yeah. days ago. And yet. He, I, I just, really, know, I guess he whatever. really does not want to play two at the back without someone that can win headers, which I guess makes sure. sense, but yeah. you're playing three at the back with to play three at the right. <laughs> it's safety numbers. Isn't it? it's, it's basic math. Yeah. Yeah. It's safety numbers. If you've got um, yeah. no defenders, play three crap ones. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing I found interesting in this game, and I'm curious what you guys think of it. Uh, and it could be a positive. I definitely don't have to say it's a negative, but when I thought about thumbs down for the game, you know, I saw Liam Palmer and Hunt going up a lot. And I was like, oh, that's great that we're getting numbers up. But it's also like, I didn't see them do much with it. And it's like, is having a system where you can throw people in the back up, uh, if they're not competent attackers, is that a valuable asset or use of the formation? I don't know. I mean, um, Liam Palmer had like a breakaway ish kind of opportunity that he was like, Oh God, I can't believe I'm here. I don't know what to do. Um, and, uh, Hunt- I, I, I agree with you on the finishing side of things. Both Hunt and Palmer got in very good finishing positions uh, yeah. and, and fluffed the lines. Cause I mean, they're not finishers. Yeah. Uh, so I, I agree with you that they shouldn't be necessarily in the box, but I think they're doing pretty well on the wings getting across the seats. I think yeah. where they need to stop <laughs> is on the edge of the yeah. ground <laughs> and cause someone to finish the ball. Sure. Well, that's the thing, right? If they, uh, if the opposing team is going to give you that and not press up on them, let them do it. And if they can create chances out of it, teams will start pressing up on the center backs and giving you more opportunities down the channel or down the wing. I know it's, it's got to be a little bit of a give and take, but yes, you would like, this is like the, this is like sagging off the three point shooter that can't actually make threes kind of thing. So until Palmer and Hunt prove they can you know, do something with those advanced positions more than they have. I think teams are going to focus on other more. Uh, well, get the numbers players. forward. Just, just, just gives you mismatches, right? It just turns yeah. a, yeah. a two on two into a three on two, even if, you know, which, you know, Chris is right. You know, maybe Palmer's not going to do much with the ball um, other than, you know, cross it or something. But at the same time, having that third player there forces the defenders to, to at least respect it. And, and that creates, you know, gets that three on two into a two on one and, and maybe send somebody in. I think that's right. I agree. Uh, my thumbs down is, <laughs> I don't know why this bothered me as much as it did. 
and I know it's, it's never a red card because of where it happened on the field, but uh, the broom foul on Fizz in extra time was in the second half was just so cynical, blatant, and it was, I mean, dirty. He just, it was dirty. He sided them down for no reason and not a particularly you know, advanced position. Wasn't trying to stop him from scoring. The game was out of hand at this point. Wednesday was just running the clock out. It's just, yeah, just this is absolutely no place in the game. Yeah, and it's it's it was dangerous because there's a lot of potential contact knee to knee, and <laughs> and if you you take a knee, uh, you know, in that position, that's you know, I mean, Dr. Sam Hutchinson, right? That that's a career right there if, if things go wrong when there was no need for any contact. Not even saying you got to let him go through, and you know, who the hell. <laughs> wants to get in Fizz's way. Um, well, that's the other thing. Boy. It takes a lot of effort to take out Fizz too. Like you can't just, you know, go shoulder to shoulder. And this was obviously intended. And he was down for a while. It seems like he was okay afterwards. So that's good. But yeah, I just absolutely no reason for that. All right. That wraps up a rather uh, thorough review I mean, we don't get wins that often like this so yeah was that yeah. nice like <laughs> instead of trying to rush through uh discussing the uh Sunderland game we get to actually uh talk about things that went well so we will take a break now and cover the Wednesday news and preview the upcoming Oxford United game <laughs> All right, now it's time for some Wednesday news. And once again, we have forgotten to uh, talk about the Player of the Month Award and just have to review who won it. It was Bailey Peacock Farrell. Uh, I will point out they shipped five goals at the end of December. Don't think you could blame too many of those on him, though. And he did obviously have some good some good performances in the few games they actually played in December. And he bounced back. He, he seemed to, he was he was our best player to start the year or, or right up there. Um you know, the whole joke going around, don't fall in love with lone players. Uh, a lot of people are throwing that out in regards to him. Um, he, he had a kind of tough stretch for a little bit there, maybe probably like October-ish. Um, and, and it seems to have rebounded back into that form. So, you know, I don't have any specifics. I, I didn't, you know, research it, but I certainly didn't have a problem with that being him being named player of the month. Moving on, uh, Wednesday will not have two healthy full-time center backs anytime soon as Shay Dunkley will be out for a while. When's I Orpha back? Like February, maybe? They're thinking end of January is yeah. the timeline, which of course mm-hmm. means like mid-March, I'm assuming. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be amazed if we see in the season. Right? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazed. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I hope you're wrong, Patty, but I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's going way too quiet. Wednesday are then uh, therefore in the market for a center back in the transfer window. A few different players linked, I guess, most prominently this week. Uh, Danny Bath. There's the name. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so excited about this. Yeah. I can't think of a perfect fit for us right now. Someone that's yeah. big, commanding, wins headers, got a history with the club. Uh, on the fringe of Stoke, it's not like he's been like completely dropped. He's played like 15 games this season. Um, 31 years old, not too old. Got us promoted from League One before. How many more signs do you want? Mm. <laughs> Wasn't there someone else they were linked to that they're in like there's a it's like is that a Preston defender that they're in a race for with some other uh, teams? 
I saw some guy from Northampton mm. they've been linked with, like Aoki, something like that, Karaoke, yeah. Loki, something like that. <laughs> I'm not quite sure who he is, so I didn't really pay much attention to it. A few bad rumours, not great ones. Uh, a few youngsters got thrown around uh, as a... Oh, was it an Everton youngster? I knew, I can't remember. Uh, anyway, not many thing, not, nothing of any credibility, which is why I haven't covered it in the agenda, Jeff. Speaking of that, that speaking of things in the agenda that have no credibility, there's a link to Owl's talk here. Says, <laughs> yeah, uh, my editorial Sanseri, qualities are uh, being found wanting again. Sensory has met uh, with potential buyers for the club in Switzerland and London. Wow, this is again rumors. This is the rumors yeah, section. Rumors. It's a rumor. It is, uh, yeah, it is the ITK section, and obviously we are not in the know on any of this. Yeah, whenever an Owl's talk. Uh, uh, message starts with don't shoot the messenger you know it's probably a lie uh, that's what <laughs> it starts like <laughs> uh, but yeah there was uh, some twitter rumors going around that well, realistic bids they were in dubai wednesday in switzerland and london blah blah, blah. um like i say we're here to report what fans are talking about whether they're true or not <laughs> is uh, another, another question uh yeah uh, Alex Hunt has returned, uh, extended his contract, and gone back on loan, this time to Oldham Athletic. Mm. Really good move, though. What the fuck are they doing with him, though? Like, I just don't... It, we're moving around to what? For what? I mean, it's a step up, I guess. Step up. Moscow we- experience. Basically, we've done what uh, Wolves do with Theo. We've taken away from uh, a crap team and moved into a better team. <laughs> <laughs> but for what? Like, we, playing Alex Hunt contract, out of position. His contract is up. His contract is up. No, they extended him, I thought, through uh, next year. Yeah. yeah. We announced that this week, yeah. Oh, did they? Oh, yeah, right. they extended him. That, that makes a big difference, yeah. Michael. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, Brennan's speaking also of extending, yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. That, that was the note that I put in there, is Brennan, which, again, nice to see. I'm, I'm glad yeah. to hear that after uh, after losing those two to uh, Celtic. Celtic, um, yeah. You know, you want to you identify uh, the guys. You know, it's not, it's not like it's four-year deal they're going to give him i assume they'll give him a couple of years to see if he can he can take that next step i i like brendan i think he's got the makings of a he's got the makings of a, a quality center back certainly at this level probably at the next level um be nice to to lock him up for a couple of years and see if we can turn him into something you know what i'm interested in you know that moore was saying that he's only playing through the back because he's got no central defenders i mean he clearly doesn't think that now hutch is back um that maybe brennan and hutch could play center half and go to his preferred formation of like what was it far the back? I mean, I think the yeah. bigger problem with the four two three one that he wants to play, and I think you know if you had like Luongo and Bannon or Luongo and Wing as a double pivot, it might be better, or Luongo and Adenarin or whoever. Um, is that we don't actually have fullbacks either? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you can play. I mean, Hunt, Hunt, and, Hunt and Johnson. Hunt, Hunt well, you play and Hunt and Johnson or Johnson Hunt and Palmer, and, Palmer. and then like what do you do with your seven wingers? Well, you still got to win. I mean, well, if you play a three, that, that foot, is it four two three one? Was his preferred formation? Right. Yeah, like, like yeah. So you could play, you know, you play Mendes lying a little. I mean, it's it's a four play, three uh... three really with you know the the two most forward wingers just slide back, and rather than having a single defensive midfielder, you have two players back in that role, which I yeah. I think we've all discussed that that a Luongo Bannon uh, combination would be outstanding there. Um, I'd like to see him get back to that. Um, at some point, but who knows? I don't know. I mean, I say it, it depends if this consistently 
pays off for us the next few games until we get someone in. He was also saying in an interview today that uh, a lot of clubs tell him that there's no players available till the 28th and 29th of January because everyone's like stockpiling in case there's COVID. Yes, so. I heard the same <laughs> thing, Patty. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's going to be tough for him to get anyone in. Well, there'll be plenty of games before the end of the month. I will start this weekend with a rematch with Oxford United. Take it away, Justin. Yeah, so I wasn't able to give the uh, background on Oxford last time. I believe I wasn't on the broad. I'll, I'll try to be brief about it, but I, I did think they were fairly interesting. Um, so I don't know why I found this so funny, but Oxford is a city located in Oxfordshire. Um, and I found that incredibly amusing. It's halfway between London and Birmingham, almost exactly. Um, you know, uh, England's two biggest cities. And uh, I don't know if you guys peeked on the notes. I knew that Oxford uh, University was really old and I knew that it was uh well like I said very old one of the oldest it's the oldest uh university in the English speaking world anybody want to take a quick guess how old Oxford University is oh I'm embarrassed it's literally in the notes Justin which I actually have open this week so so I was well I figured I could ask that because you never read the notes Jeff yeah, a thousand years <laughs> a thousand yeah, years 10, old 1096 so it, it's not 900 something years old. It's, it's, it's crazy. Um, anyway, uh, they started a football club in 1893, Headington United. They did it for the same reason we did. They needed some cricket players uh, to get some exercise in the off season. They're known as the U's, which is the dumbest name. I believe I said Cambridge uh, was the dumbest name, but now I'm changing it. And it is definitely Oxford um, or also the Yellows. They play in Cassim Stadium. We're going to uh, see them play at, also known as Grenoble Road. Uh, they played for a long time in a place called the Manor Ground. They replaced about 20 years ago. It was well known for being the shittiest, uh, most dilapidated stadium in England. Um, so they, they were another one of these squads that, that kind of hung around the lower local regions. Uh, they didn't join the Football League until 1962. Um, but then, you know, kind of had a pretty nice rise. Uh, and they made it to the top flight in... Uh, 85, 86, uh, which they had a fabulous year, a very strange year, but a fabulous year. They only stayed up by beating Arsenal in the last game of the season that year. Um, but they also won the League Cup, which was still known as the Milk Cup back then. And unfortunately for Oxford, their stay in the top play wasn't very long. They got relegated again two years later. And by 05, 06, they dropped out of the league. Uh, the first club with a major trophy to their name to ever be relegated back out of the league. Um, they've rejoined the league, uh, the football league in 2010, 11, and have slowly improved over time. They're now sitting, um, you know, at, at one of their highest positions in the playoff spots uh, in, in league one. Uh, so right now they are sixth place. They're 12 wins, seven draws, seven losses, a pretty nice uh, plus 11 uh, goal difference, 40 goals for they're three points up on us right now, um, but we do have a game in hand. So this really is a, a big, big game for us this weekend. Um, so their, their coach, uh, people may know, Carl Robinson has bounced around both the championship and League One. Uh, he was at Don's. I think he was at, uh, it was at MK Don's. He was at, uh, I'm blanking right now. He's at a couple different places. He's known for playing a 4-3-3, which he likes. Um, uh, you know, in the same way that, you know, City plays it or Liverpool plays it, a really, you know, straight up 4-3-3 with or without the ball. Um, 
going with one defensive midfielder and, and kind of attacking with everybody else. They love the possession, the short passes. Uh, they will flex into a 4-5-1 if they decide to shell up a little bit. I'm assuming getting them at home, they'll try to remain uh, open on us. The other thing that Carl Robinson is known for, and we got to see that last time we played them, when uh, is, is Carl's teams are generally masters of the dark arts. And uh, if you guys recall, Oxford United was time-wasting and shithousing probably about six minutes into uh, the game when we played them. And we lost uh, two to one, if you recall, on a late, like 93rd minute header. Um, but they scored 12 minutes in and then immediately just ruined uh, everybody's weekend by, you know, cheap shot in and kicking the ball out of bounds and flopping on the ground and holding their legs and just the whole gamut. Um, and and uh, Robinson's teams do that wherever he's been. Um Key players to look for for them. Matty Taylor is their center forward. Uh, Ten goals, big man. A little bit older, 31. He's a veteran of League One. Um, Can put the ball away. Uh, They also have up front on the right wing is a guy named Mark Sykes. Has eight goals. Um, And they like to attack down the right side. So Sykes uh, attacking on the right side is supported by James Henry. He's the right-sided central midfielder he's got seven goals as well so just those three players alone there is 25 goals um henry's got three assists the the key to their team um is a kid named cameron brannigan who had an excellent game against us last time um and he's got four goals on the year but his game is you know he will when he has the ball he will find passes he's really good at through balls sending people in moving it around. And when he doesn't have the ball, he will crunch you and take the ball back. So really keep an eye out for Cameron Brand again. Um, they do tend to rotate uh, their central midfield a fair amount. Uh, a guy named Herbie Kane uh, has been playing defensive central midfielder for them recently. Hasn't played in a couple of weeks, so he may be hurt. Um, their left back, uh, Steve Seddon, uh, provides all of the attacking prowess on the left side. Um tends to make long runs and crosses in. He's got himself five assists in the season. But uh, their back line is anchored by a uh, 25-year-old center back who's got uh, some size, is very good in the air, has some mobility, decent passer. Um, I, I, the name is Jordan Thornley. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure where he came from. It seems that he can do a job at this level, though. I, I'm not quite sure why. Yeah, I'm not quite sure why uh, a club would let him go. He's got 20 starts in the year and has been uh, very effective. We don't need centre halves, uh, so, Justin. You've not been listening to, listen to this podcast. We've got left backs. Yeah, so uh, you know, yeah, of course, of course. So uh, I, I did, I did have a chuckle when I saw Thornley's name there, and and to be honest, I always liked him, and I'm uh, I'm glad to see he's finding some success at this level. I just hope he has an absolute mare come Saturday. This has been episode 163 of the Owls AmeriCast. You can find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com. Email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com. Find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at owlsamericas. Our podcast intro and bumpers by fellow Wednesdays, Trevor and the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume the Owls AmeriCast, we ask you rate and review the show so more Wednesdays find our ramblings. Chris, I did not bother to look up if you have a Twitter account or what it is. 
I don't have a Twitter account. (laughs) God bless. (laughs) Justin's on Twitter at New England Owl. What a life you must lead. That's these like it must be so zen. Like no idea. (laughs) Uh, Justin's on Twitter at New England Owl. Uh, Justin, if you're not a sad dad band guy, what kind of dad band guy are you? I don't think I'm a dad band guy, which is weird that I'm a dad. dad. (laughs) <laughs> i know i know i got labeled a dad band guy i'm like a child mm. <laughs> you are a sad maybe, dad maybe you're covering for me. maybe you're covering for me patty we gotta we gotta even it out around the universe isn't it the law up there for you guys to love dropkick murphys i think you have to like be a dropkick murphy fan if you're in that area i can't stand them uh, <laughs> really? wow. I, you shouldn't. I once i once saw them i saw the Boston's open up for them and left I stayed for like three songs and said to my buddy, I think we're all set. Let's get out of here. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And, and I love Irish music. I listen to a lot of Irish music, um, but they just, they don't, they don't do it for me. Patty's on Twitter at Patty A. Jones and at New York Nels. Uh Patty, do you know how to cook an eel? <laughs> that was one for my morning jacket. Is you know how to cook an eel. Oh, I know. Clearly I'm not a big my morning jacket fan. <laughs> I do have um, two Wednesday stats from Oxford, though, if you want to hear those. Sorry, uh, sure. uh, uh, there's some weird connections with uh, Wednesday in Oxford. Uh, the biggest one is Big Ron Atkinson is their most capped player uh, with 560 caps. Uh, Holy shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was a bit of a lot. And bizarrely, that's a brother, long career, man. His young brother is the top goal scorer, uh, which I didn't even know he had a brother, but apparently, top goal scorer for Oxford. Uh, and then the second one, actually, I think I have forgot. Oh my God, where am I? Um, uh, Aren't you in Secaucus? <laughs> somebody, Phil, he's an amazing star. I've built up too much. It's too late. <laughs> I'll just remove the long pause. <laughs> I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro, and we'll see you back here next week. <laughs> <laughs>